Hi, and thanks for checking out our City Reach Philly podcast from wherever you are listening. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. I want to say we're going to conclude our, our sermon series entitled Heirs of the Kingdom. Heirs of the Kingdom. Uh, and we're going to be touching on the kingdom for a while. We're going to be touching on, on what it is to be uh, an heir or son or daughter of the king. And I know that Tamara, she was singing here, she said, I'm going to introduce you to the king of glory. And that's, that's one of his titles, but in the end, he's the king of kings. He's the king of kings, and there's a kingdom. There's a kingdom that he came to establish here on earth. And, and according to the Bible, when we receive Jesus, when we surrender our lives, our plan, our strategy to him, we become heirs. We become sons. We become daughters in, uh, in his kingdom. And as we begin to understand what that means... We also, we want, we want ours. So I know that, you know, we say, I need to get mine. I need to get mine. But in the spiritual realm, there's some stuff that you need to get. You need to go after. And the Bible says that, that you're an heir. That means that there's an inheritance for you. That means there's something in the spiritual realm that's legally transferred to you as an heir, but you have to receive it. And so if somebody knocks at your door and says, your part, hey, there's a will and testament, your neighbor, let's just say that your neighbor... Even though they didn't look like they had money, they had money, and they left you everything. And so they knock at the door, and they say, according to the will, you're entitled to A, B, C, D. This is what you're entitled to. But if you don't know, and, and, and if they knock at the door and you say, well, I, I'm cool, I'm good, I'm good, I don't, I don't want it. That's what we do many times in the spiritual realm. When God has an inheritance for us, and we say, no, no, I'm good, I, I, I'm good, my, 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 my plan is better than your plan, God. And, and I've done it, and most of us live our lives, and most people will take that to the grave. They'll, they'll choose to pick their plan, their strategy, instead of God's inheritance. And, and there's a last will and testament that God has left us. It's called the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's promises in there for your life, for my life. But if we don't go look at it, we won't go claim it. So in other words, I go to Gisela's house, and I say, there's an inheritance for you. And she opens the door and she offers me coffee, even though she, she's really interested in the will. Right? So you want some coffee? Can I see the will? You know? And when I, when I take the will out, not only does she want to re- me to read it, she wants to read it herself. Because she wants to make sure I don't miss any details. So if it says you're going to get $3 million, somebody's getting excited in the room. There's two cars that are, that are, that are left to you. There's a car that only has 10 miles on it. And then there's other, this other antique that's probably worth $55,000. And, and there's some jewelry. And there's all these things in the inheritance. Guess what? She's going to want a copy of that will, right? Because and, and, she wants to make sure I don't miss any details. Well, in the spiritual realm, there's a will for you too. Jesus left the last will in Testament. That's full of promises. But most of us never take the time. Because we listen to the, the, the way of this world. We listen and, and receive the inheritance of this world that's really full of darkness and very little. And we miss out on the amazing promises that God has for us as sons and daughters. So as an heir, we need to go back into the word of God. And we need to say, what's the promise for my life? And no matter what you're going through in your life right now, there's scripture, there's scripture that is for you. There's a word for you 
in the, in the Bible. And you, you, no matter what you do, if you're going through depression, then, then God has a scripture that you need to hold on to. Say, this is my promise. This is my promise. If you need provision, financial uh, situation, you say, Lord, what, what, what is the word that I'm supposed to be holding on to during this season? What is the promise? What am I entitled to? But it's not until we understand that we're heirs, that we're sons, that we're daughters. So most of us live our lives as orphans and beggars. In the spiritual realm, we, we live as beggars and we pray like beggars. We come to God when all is lost and we have no one else to go to. We go to God and we start begging him. So, so our relationship with God is not as a son and daughter. It is as a beggar or an orphan. Is anybody, anybody can admit I've, I've prayed that prayer before? I prayed that prayer. Most of my life I've been praying beggar's prayers. Ooh, somebody, it hurt, right? Ugh. It hurt me, so I know it hurt somebody else. We, we pray little prayers. God, if you would just provide in this situation, or, or God, I can't believe you did that. God, I can't believe you allowed that. We're, we're orphans instead of saying, I'm a son. I'm entitled to some stuff. I'm a daughter. No, I'm entitled. According to the word of God, there's nothing impossible. Oh, it says, all things are possible for those who believe. Maybe I should start believing a little more. We start declaring the word of God over our homes, our houses, our finances, our children, and it cancels the curse of the devil himself. But, but, but let, let, let me tell you that there's some generational curses that we carry sometimes. That they're going to come to pass until you start acting like a son or a daughter of the all-powerful living God. And so we can complain about it all we want to, but it's your fault. You got to stand up and say, hasta aquí llegaste diablo. Woo! It stops here. But you got to take authority. You don't, don't wait for somebody else to do it. Or we could just complain till we get to the grave. Jesus didn't die on a cross for whiners and complainers. He died on a cross for sons and daughters who would say, hold up. I'm part of the house. I'm part of the family. There's DNA that runs through me that's holy. And it's powerful. And it brings with it authority and dominion. So when I walk in the house... Oh, I represent the Father. We want to see change in the city. We want to see change in our... You think God likes what he sees in the city? No, but he's waiting for some sons and daughters to start acting like sons and daughters and understand you're an heir. You're just not anybody. You're not a beggar. You're a son. When my son walks in the house, it's his house. He has a key to the house. He can flush the toilet whenever he wants because it's his. He's an heir. He don't have to ask, can know it's his it's already yours it's already inside of it but it's not until you start understanding but see the devil got us so blocked off I wasn't gonna preach like this today listen there's a last will and testament for you but you got to go discover the details what do you have for me God 
God. And according to Jesus, Jesus says it's greater, it's greater, it's greater, it's greater. But we got to start understanding. And we got to start saying, God, stop saying, is it for me? Me, but I'm so broken and, and I'm so I feel so much guilt and shame and, and I can't move forward and, I, and I'm a victim and I'm a victim and, and maybe it's for Terrell, but it can't be for me, but maybe it's for Sean, but it's not for me. But you got to say, no, it's mine. Yeah. I don't know if anybody getting this, but there's an inheritance for you. How many believe there's a promise for you? I mean, if you don't believe there's promises for you, then, then I pray you'll get to that place. And I'm not condemning you because I lived most of my life not thinking there was anything for me. I just, can I just get to heaven? Can I just get to heaven? That if that trumpet sounds today, that, oh, just, I just want to get there. And, and that's not a horrible place to be, but you miss it. You miss it. It's about heaven on earth. It's about overflow through your life when you start to believe the promises are for you. So there's promises for you. You got to discover him. He reveals the promise. Then you start to walk in faith. Then it comes to pass. You think I thought, you think, you think that I ever thought we would be in a stadium? Never. Never. Did I, did I ever think there would be two services in this place? Never. God showed me a basement with 10 people. He said, would you do that, Mark? So I think I could do 10 people. Yeah, okay. We'll do a little church in the basement. And, and in three months, we had 36 people, 46 people, 56 people. Why? Why? Because God didn't show. I'm telling you, when he shows you the promise, it's bigger. But you got to start walking in it. You got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. You got to say, everybody else around me may be a victim, but I am not a victim. I am an heir. But until you declare it, you give legal rights to the devil. So the devil's walking around with your inheritance. He's walking around with your last will and testament, and he owns you. It's not until you go snatch it from him. Say, so you got no legal right to this, Satan. You might have talked my mom into it. You might have talked my dad into it. But you ain't talking me into it. That's mine. That's my inheritance. You are not going to, I am not going to settle for crumbs. Somebody in the house is getting this today. Powerful man of God spoke to me this week and he he quoted this to me from Reinhard Bonnke. Because a lot of us are waiting for God's will. Those who are waiting for the will of God will be overrun by those who are doing it. You got to go. Faith without works is dead. We got to move in faith. We got to believe, but we got to move out. We got to declare some stuff. Sometimes it's not even physically moving. Sometimes it's just declaring it. It's believing it. You got to begin to see it. We need to understand, church, why Jesus came to earth. Not just so we would be saved, and that's an amazing reason, but he came to reestablish and establish some things. He came to establish government. He's a king. He's a king. And a king establishes government or a kingdom, not religion. He didn't come to establish a religion. He came to establish government. And we need to understand where we fall in. In this kingdom. 
He came to restore righteousness, holiness to humanity, that we can walk around holy, not perfect, but holy. Not, not, not doing the same sin every week, every week. No, there's, there's freedom from that, but we, it, it starts in our minds. A lot of times we fall into sin because we're still feeling sorry for ourselves. A lot of times we fall into sin because we are still victims. We still have a victim mentality. And that's why we just keep doing the same thing. Oh, and bendito. It's here, it's here. He, he died so that we would, we would be able to renew our minds daily, not conform to the world, but renew our minds daily, and we would start looking like Jesus. You, you know why I come to church? Yeah, I'm the pastor. I know I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be here. But I, you know why I like to come? I like to come because I get to rub elbows with some other people who are looking a little more like Jesus. Because it provokes something inside of me. When I'm around some other That's why we got to come to church. And if you're at a dead church, then go revive it or leave it. But, but we need to be around some other people who are looking like Jesus. That when I see Alfredo, I see the, the reflection of Jesus through him. It doesn't mean he's Jesus. It means he, he's talking like him. He's looking like him. He's acting like him. He, he looks like Jesus. So I need to be around him. Oh, man. Is there anybody else who wants to be around someone who looks like Jesus? And he wants to do it through you that when your neighbors see they say something is different about them. Talking to a neighbor yesterday who... 61 years old, has all of this money or whatever he has, but he says, man, I just got diagnosed with dementia. I'm starting to forget things. I think it's over. I'm selling everything, and I'm getting my house in order. And I was like, I was like, okay, I got you, man. I said, I got you. I said, do you know? And he's cursing while he's saying, I get you. I get you. I'm not here to judge you, but I'm here to say, I said, there's hope for you, brother. He looked at me like, what is it? The doctor said, I got dementia. It's incurable. I said, man, you could renounce that in the name of Jesus. You don't have to accept it. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, you, can, you don't have to receive it. You can say no. I said, it's, it's greater. And I started to share some of the testimonies that have happened here. Testimonies that I've heard where, 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 where incurable diseases, God is bigger. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for me to pray. But he left there like, he left like, oh, my God, what, what if, what if what he's saying is true? Maybe you don't have to sell everything. Don't receive everything someone says to you. You don't have to. Where am I? Those who want to receive the promise you got to believe. You believe by hearing the word of God, the good news of Jesus, the gospel. It's not an emotional experience. It's a spiritual experience. It's where the Holy Spirit begins to touch your spirit, your, your body, soul, and spirit. And the spirit lies dormant waiting for something spiritual to wake it up. And when the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on the door of your spirit, something begins to happen. It's happening right now in some of you. You say, oh, man, what was that? I feel something a little bit. It's not emotional. It's not physical. It's your spirit. It's your spirit. I, when I pray for people and I tell them, uh, uh, man, I, I just prayed for somebody at the 11 o'clock service, young man. I, and and I, said, I, said, I said, God has something great for you. And he just, he's crying. He's like, yeah, yeah. I said, and your spirit knows it. Your spirit already knows it. 
But we got to get it to the soul, and then we got to get it to the body. So what manifests in the spirit, then it goes to the soul, and it starts to take them dominion, and all of a sudden, I can, you think I can preach up here like this? No, but something happens in the spiritual realm that begins to touch and impact my spirit, and I can't keep quiet because he's good. He's amazing. He's all-powerful. The spiritual realm, and, and that's why things we watch on cable TV and movies we watch, what are they doing? They're killing your spirit. Relationships that we're in still that kill our spirit don't allow the spirit to be revived. We start to understand what the kingdom is. He reveals the kingdom I don't know about you, but it's been my prayer for four months. Reveal the kingdom to me. Reveal the kingdom. I don't understand it. I don't know. Please reveal the kingdom. Reveal the kingdom. I, I, wanna, I don't want to live in the kingdom of darkness that everybody else is in, the culture of darkness, the hamster wheel that requires the set of sweat of my brow. I want to live in the kingdom of heaven on earth, kingdom of heaven on earth where it's already done, where, where Jesus said it is finished, where it's not the sweat of my brow to get result. It is the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus. It's already done. But I need to start understanding that I'm part of the kingdom. I need to understand that I'm a son, that I'm an heir. And all of a sudden, something happens on the inside. And there's hope. And all of a sudden, guess what? Guess what? I'm going to write a book. Why? Why? I'm going to write a book. I'm writing a book. I'm going to write. I'm going to start a business. Why? Because there's something on the spiritual side that says, it's not about the sweat of your brow. It is about faith. 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 Just believe. Believe. And he shows up. He starts to reveal the kingdom. He starts to reveal his kingdom. Matthew 13 says, the kingdom of heaven. We can put it on the board. This is what happens. Jesus is revealing the kingdom to you, to me, and to these people. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he grabbed the kingdom. He hid it. He knew it was good. It says, he went and sold everything he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of, the, of great value, sold everything and bought it. When, we begin to, when God begins to reveal the kingdom of heaven to us, we're like, hold up, there's something more. Hold up, there's something greater. Hold up, what, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do to... Has, has he been revealing it to anybody else in the house? Or is it just me? I believe there's some people in the room over the last few months. He's revealing it. He's revealing it. He's, he's telling you it's, it's bigger than your job. It's bigger than your zip code. It's bigger than your plan. It's bigger than your 401k. That's rubbish in comparison to the kingdom of God. I'm ready to just give it all away. I'm just ready to give it all away. I just want to give it all away because I know he's greater. I just want to lay it at his feet and say, here, king, here, king, here, king. I, I'm, I'm your son. I, I just lay everything I have at your feet so that I could be part of your kingdom. I say, pastor, half crazy today. But I'll tell you that as who does he reveal the kingdom to? He reveals the kingdom to people he can trust. How does he trust you? You spend time with him. Intimate things in my life, I don't share with everybody. 
I share with intimate people that I trust. I share that with my wife. I'm going through something. I don't tell the world. I say, honey, I'm going through this. Or somebody that God has brought to my life, a mentor, someone that I can trust. And that's what Jesus does. He shares the kingdom with people he can trust, people who spend intimate time with him. And as he begins to trust you, he begins to reveal his will and his promise. So most people will seek and wonder what the promise is all their lives. And I'm, I'm talking about people in church, out of church. Doesn't matter. You could be in church and never discover the promise. Because there's no intimacy. Doesn't mean you got to pray 50 hours a day. It means that there has to be time where you're looking at the last will and, and testament saying, God, what, what are you trying to say to me today? What is my promise for this week? What is my promise for this month? It's not forced time. It's time, real time. Abraham was, first his name was Abram. And Genesis 15 says, sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid. I'll protect you. Your reward is great. But Abram replied, sovereign Lord, what good are all the blessings when I don't have an heir? I don't have a son. You've given me no children. Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, he'll inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants. So one of my servants will be my heir. So Abraham, God comes to Abram, and Abram has a dilemma. He's frustrated. We've all been there, and we all will be in frustrated places. He finds himself frustrated, and he says, God, you gave me a promise, and I believe for it, but there's no heir. I'm old. And so what happens in our lives is God will put a promise in you, but it'll lie dormant or sterile. Sterile promises that sometimes we hold on to. Because God will give you a sterile promise and wonder what you're going to do with it. You might throw it away. You might just hold on to it and say, well, whenever it happens, it might happen. Or you might grab that hold and start, grab that promise and start declaring it over yourself. It's my promise. It's my promise. I believe. It's been five years. It's been ten years, but I'm going to believe for it. I'm going to believe for it. And that, that's where Abram found himself. He had a sterile or infertile promise. And it's okay to take it to God. Say, God, what's going on? What's going on? We're supposed to do that. We could be real with God. Your frustrations, I guess you could bring them to the pastor, but take them to the Lord first. Take them to him. If you come to me, I'm, I'll pray for you and do that with the pastoral stuff. But I'm going to say, did, did you talk to him? He, he's the one. He's the creator. He's the one who gave you the breath of life. That's what I'm here to encourage you to go to him. In chapter 12, he gives Abram this, this promise. Chapter 15, that's what happens when he says, I'm frustrated. Chapter 17, God shows up again. And here he makes covenant with him. There's a promise now. God... God shows his covenant with blood. You got to go look at the chapter, chapter 17 of Jen. Go, go read it. It's all, he, he, there's blood involved because God ain't fooling around. It's like Jesus. Understand when he was on the cross, that was a new covenant. And God seals his covenants or his promises with blood. That's why Jesus' blood had to shed. But going back to Abram, what happens in chapter 17... 
God gives him the, he, he impregnates that sterile promise. See, my, my wife carried the eggs, you know, because she's a woman. That's what women did. Yeah. But, but there has to be intimacy for her to get pregnant. There has to be intimacy, and that's how I have two sons, right? And, and so that's what happened with, with Abram. God comes to him in chapter 17, and he says, when Abram was 99 years old, God appears and says, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully, live a blameless life. I will make covenant with you. Promise by blood. If you go into the chapter, you'll see how he does that. They cut a cut a, a cow in half. He says, I'll make covenant with you. I'll guarantee to you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down. And God said to him, this is my covenant. I'll make you the father of multitude of nations. I am changing your name. No longer to be Abram, instead, Abraham. For you'll be the father of many nations. I'll make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations. Kings will be among them. I'll confirm my covenant with you, your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you land where you now live as a foreigner. And last week we talked about you walking in buildings you did not build. Because we, the, 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 the chapter we read in Galatians said that the same promise for Abraham is yours. It's your promise here. I'll give the entire land of Canaan. It will be your, their possession forever and I will be their God. And then God says to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. I'll bless her, give her a son. Yes, I will bless her richly. She'll become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. So it took a little bit of time. But then God comes near to Abram and says, I'm changing your name and I'm making covenant with you. If you read chapter 17, you see he puts him to sleep, Abraham to sleep. And there's intimacy there that happens. And out comes this promise. And Sarah, who's in her 90s, she hasn't had a menstrual cycle for years. She gets pregnant. She gets pregnant. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. But what did Abraham do? He wasn't perfect. He, he doubted. He got frustrated just like you and I. But what did he do? He kept believing. He kept believing. It's faith and obedience that takes your sterile promise and brings it to life. Faith activates your sterile promise. See, there's promises that perhaps you've given up on. There's promises that you've even forgotten, but guess what? Your spirit still holds on to them. Church, can we stand in this place today? I feel the Holy Spirit in this place so strong. I feel as though he's doing something. I feel like he wants to impregnate some sterile promises in this place. He's reviving some of us. You just got to let them. You just got to believe. You got to let go of logic. You got to let go of your plan. You got to let go of your way. You got to let go of some stuff, some garbage, some garbage that we think is so important that in the grand scheme of things just gets in the way of your inheritance. Can we just close our eyes all over this place? I, just, I would just ask you, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for your word, which is power. 
I thank you, God, for sterile promises, Lord, that are reviving in this place. I pray, God, we would find time, time that you've already given us to spend with you, intimacy, that you would begin to reveal the kingdom to your sons and daughters, that we would start understanding, God, that you would take off the, the blinds that keep us walking around like beggars, just barely making it. You've called us to be warriors. You've called us to be strong in you. You've called us to, to rise up, to walk around, to take authority. That when a demonic person walks in front of us, they would have to shudder. They would not be experienced us. They would experience you in us. So I just pray that over your sons and I declare them sons and daughters in this place. Not walking in shame no more. Not walking in guilt. Not walking as victims, but walking as conquerors. So what your word says. Your word says we are more than conquerors in Christ who strengthens us, God. That we would hold on to that word. So I pray that in a divine fashion over every person in this place, never to be the same again, God. That you would revive some dead things in us. Oh, he's here. He's here. He's here. He's so here. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He's, he's so all about you. There's an enemy trying to rob it and steal it all from you. That's what the Bible says. He's come to rob, to steal, to destroy, to kill you. But you got to stand up and say, no, 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 no. Not today. Not no more. Not no more, not no more. So in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I challenge you. If you're ready to become and act like a son or daughter, I, I invite you to come forward. Maybe you didn't come here expecting that, but he's calling. He's calling, he's calling. So as the worship team sings, I challenge you. If someone can pray for you, amen. If they can't, just come, have a conversation. You can do it at your seat, you can. But there's something he honors when we start walking towards him. So as they sing, it's up to you. He's calling in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen on. Have a blessed week.